Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome back to the New Cyber Frontier. This is Sean Murray. I am your host for this edition. We have Eric Kant. Uh, so Eric comes from us from Kant Consulting uh, Group. Um, long line of um, you know emergency services, uh, EMT, um, background extensively in in that type of industry where um you know a lot of lessons were learned uh over the years where you know eric uh, can contribute to the space um in in pervasive technologies and in providing capabilities to um you know those heroes that that fight this battle every single day eric welcome back to the show I'd love for you to give a refresh to our listeners a, a little bit about your background, which is relevant to the, the technology discussion. Yeah, Sean, thank you very much for having me back. It's a pleasure. And uh, I'm so grateful that uh, people like you are around to do these kind of podcasts, to, to get these uh, modern thoughts into the airwaves, if you will. So uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, Sean, I started life as a firefighter uh, and paramedic uh, with multiple presidentially declared disasters uh, while I was working in New York and Florida both. Uh, I went on then to uh, work on command and control systems and build them out for events like 9-11, Katrina, Sandy, uh, and interesting enough, large sporting events and disasters, you plan for them very similar. So worked on a lot of Super Bowls and Olympics uh, and events of those uh, like. Uh, for the last seven years, I've been completely focused with my own consulting company. Uh, you know, there's always a little bit of a hesitation to adopt new innovation in public safety and risk management. And on one hand, it's uh, it's adequate, right? You should be a little bit risk averse when you're dealing with the lives of, uh, of one, if not thousands of people. Uh, but you also should not be uh, so innovation averse that you're not uh, looking at the capabilities that are available today that really can augment um, a response. And just to, to you know, mention something simple, Look at the changes in uh, E911 compared to where we were 10 years ago in 911, uh, just in tracking cell phones. Right? Uh, a really good example in how you can change, uh, dynamically change uh, the response posture for, uh, for people. So uh, the last seven years has been uh, working on no-code, low-code, machine learning, and other innovative uh, capabilities. Uh, and we've uh, done well. Uh, won some awards from NATO and NGA uh, along those lines. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, when we talk about that industry specific, right, there's so much training that goes into being a firefighter and EMT, emergency management, um, you know, and as you uh, progress um, in, in your career in any of those positions, 
especially when you're talking about major events, uh, you know, disasters. Um, there's a lot of collaboration, and and that's where your your skills are really put to the test. Um, that collaboration requires um, technology to be able to communicate effectively. And, you know, you recognize some challenges along the way that, um, you know, based on all that experience on, on how to solve problems. You mentioned the word low code, no code. Can you elaborate on that for our listeners? What does that mean? Yeah, and, and you know, uh, a lot of these words are loaded and we sort of have to unpack them because they mean different things to different people. Right? Sure. That's that whole uh, communication piece that that you uh, you mentioned there and really interoperability, right? How are these things interoperable? And when it comes to disasters, you mentioned multiple disciplines, right? So multiple disciplines have to be interoperable. Um, so just recently, we worked a uh, prototyping project with the uh, Department of Defense, where we used no-code, low-code to automate uh, CBRN hazmat plume modeling processes. And essentially, what you're doing there is you're moving traditional engineering aspects from uh, someone who's an engineer, writes code every day, to somebody who's essentially a business analyst. And the things that that engineer uh, would be writing, he doesn't write like he used to. He writes components that now feed the business analyst that allows them to drag and drop uh, components and build applications in a no-code environment. And so that doesn't mean you're not configuring and writing some code. And it doesn't mean you don't have to have all good coding disciplines, right? The process and all of that applies even more because things are so easy to build. That being said, because things are so easy to build, you can build them at the business analyst level and essentially have products as a service. So um, I've got a company that we work with doing digital twin solutions that we provide products as a service because of the no-code, low-code architecture. We literally custom build the application for every customer in a few hours. Once we have their data, it's rudimentary then to put together the application because it's all drag and drop components. Yeah, this is, this is pretty interesting conversation. We're talking to Eric Kant from Kant Consulting Group. Uh, can't, uh, um, so, uh, Eric lives down in Florida after, uh, many years of serving up in, uh, the New York city area. Um, we're going to continue this discussion right after this commercial break. Blockframe technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. 
Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to the new cyber frontier. My name is Sean Murray. We have a special guest uh, welcoming back Eric Kant from Kant Consulting Group. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, the collaboration and, you know, innovative technologies, the ability to, uh, you know, ingest data and provide critical information to those who need it in a timely manner. And, you know, there's another term that you used um, that, you know, our listeners may not be familiar with, and that's uh, um, twins, right? So uh, explain to me digital twins. Um, you know, I understand that to, to be uh, an ability to better understand the infrastructure, the architecture uh, of a building or, you know, um, or some type of other structure. You Would you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, and it's, you know, just slightly more in depth than that today. So a digital twin is essentially a digital representation of something from the physical world. But really what makes a digital twin valuable is when you can start to flow data back and forth between that digital twin and the real world in terms of A, scenarios going in one direction, right? I'm doing these scenarios around this digital twin that maybe not even be realistic in real life, but allows me to test uh, the environment in ways that you couldn't test in an operating anything, right? Um, and, and where digital twins started from in many ways is think of an engine, right? You would have a digital twin of an engine. The engine would run and you could have simulations and then you can feed it with live sensor data. And if I make this change, I add that spark plug or, or whatever. We're now using uh, LIDAR, which is uh, a laser uh, imaging and ranging technology. And we actually light our physical structures down to, in some cases, one centimeter accuracy, and then turn them into digital twins that we then anchor in space and time using geographical information systems. So you take a LIDAR uh, version of your building, you convert that into a model, you put that model into GIS land, which essentially makes it uh, relative to space and time, and you can now layer the real world into your model and use that for a variety of um, different elements. And so in emergency management, we, we may not think uh, often that we're uh, digital twinning the world, but in truth, post-disaster, that's exactly what we're doing, right? We're trying to gather up all of the information to figure out what really happened post-disaster and identify all the damage and whatever else occurred so that we can now mitigate those. We're essentially digital twinning the real world post-disaster. And so uh, these techniques apply uh, not just in our day-to-day -to -day today uh, in preparation, but also in response and recovery. So using radar or LIDAR type technology to produce digital twins of um, of structures, and we'll use it, not just traditional buildings, but of structures. Um, so you you can actually produce a digital twin pre-event um, and then post-event and do comparative analysis. All right, and so 
Give us an example of one of the big events that you've worked in where that's provided um, some capabilities. And, and what would somebody who's a stakeholder be looking for on the outcome post-disaster? Sure. And, and, and this is usable in uh, a lot of things other than disasters, uh, right? Uh, everyday workflow, COVID, return to work. Uh, energy uh, usage, uh, damage assessments in buildings, uh, et cetera, and so forth. Um, in large events, where we've used this is a couple of different ways. And this goes back actually many years to, to one of my first Olympics, uh, where the big deal was, you know, coming off the Atlanta Olympics, I'm dating myself here a little bit. So I did not work with the Atlanta Olympics, but uh, was able to help with the Salt Lake Olympics. And the big concern was bombings because of what happened in Atlanta. So we would actually run plume modeling software. And if a report of a lone bag came in, they would model the bag right away and start moving people out of the uh, zone of what that bag might have in terms of, uh, you know, uh, let's say explosive content. And so uh, those are one of the ways to start to take this digital twin and then enact on it, right? Live enable it. Here we have a zone. Let's start backing everyone away before we pick up the bag. Uh, more recently here, we do see, uh, especially now with the advent of machine learning and some of the artificial intelligence capabilities, is the ability to now model these buildings, a, a multiple story building, put routes in those buildings, and then model the evacuations and model them based on semi-accurate demographics, like every fourth person might trip or a third of the population is senior and every fifth person trips and then someone stops to pick them up. And so those models now help shape your response plans and how you can, you know, let's say something does happen, how do we evacuate a building that's full of people? Um, so there's a lot of different ways to take these digital twins and incorporate them, A, into your day-to-day -day operations, uh, but also into your planning for any type of uh, extreme operation, if you will. So I can see some um, safety applications here as well. You know, as a firefighter, from your perspective, you know, running into a building without having any knowledge of what that infrastructure might look like, as opposed to, um, you know, gathering, gathering data off a digital twin that giver, better gives you, you know, other than looking at charts and, and, you know, architecture diagrams that are at the city, you know, building authority, right? Um, and, and it may not even represent what's, you know, the latest and greatest. Um, what are some of the safety advantages that you, um, that you can describe for, you know, emergency responders like firefighters and cops and uh, emergency responders, EMTs? You know, when you start to, to really put these things together, um, we're, we've been working here recently with an Israeli company called Forecast, and their specialty is in, uh, they were originally developed uh, to understand the capabilities of the country after one of the recent wars, uh, which you would think they have a very good handle on. But when you actually go and look and try to understand your unit or agency's capabilities, 
it becomes complex. And this is where machine learning, artificial intelligence, and those type of models can help you understand the complexity of this data and augment it, right? So firemen and cops, we can buy a lot of toys and a lot of capability. What we don't model very well is how well are we trained on these? And is that training put into the capabilities-based assessment when you do scenario building? Um, in many cases, the data is available or some of the data is available, but if you do take the time to put this together, you can really do capabilities-based artificial intelligence. And this is not Skynet. I'm not trying to oversell the capabilities here, but it can provide you some really useful decision support for the kind of complex interdependent events that we see today, right? Because a flooding is never just a flooding. It's flooding with power outages, with the potential of cyber, with the potential of misinformation. It's, it never seems to be one thing anymore, right? It's always this complex cascading type events today, right? Yeah, and, and I think that's where the advantage of some of the technology, technological advances you're discussing um, provide better capabilities for responders today, um, you know, safety-wise, um, you know, efficiency-wise, communications capabilities. Um, and, you know, uh, with, with the vast amount of experience that you have in, in watching the evolution of, of, of your, you know, brothers and sisters in, in emergency management and, and those various um, roles, um, what is being introduced today that you get positive feedback from cops and firefighters and EMTs and emergency responders on the advancement of, of technology that have been around for a while. And is that a positive, I can't imagine that, you know, with your consulting group that you haven't heard some great positive feedback. You, you know, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, especially uh, this is probably not new. Every second person you interview must talk about how uh, COVID has impacted sure. uh, things. Um, and in emergency management, right? COVID has really kind of shifted um, because previously emergency managers did not have the kind of exposure to the health departments. And that kind of data that they now process, epidemiological data, vaccine data, I mean, everybody in their uh, brother had a dashboard <laughs> to show the massive amounts of information they have, right? I, I think today, uh, when we can better help equitably process that information, because there's a lot of pitfalls in, in, in this, uh, let's just talk briefly about artificial intelligence in law enforcement that has hit a major roadblock with uh, the biasness in um, facial recognition and uh, predictive policing, right? Uh, these systems that we're talking about for them to be beneficial have to also have a real equitable piece uh, in their core. Um, but down at the ground level, policemen, firemen, what do they benefit from? better communications, more actionable information uh, with better interoperability, right? When I can go, hey, Fireman A, 
here's the building and send him that 3D model and he can really pull it up in real time. We're not there yet, uh, but we're not that many years away yet. Yeah, that'll provide some uh, great advantages. We're talking to Eric Kant from Kant Consulting Group. Um, we're going to continue that discussion right after this message. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray. We have Eric Kant from Kant Consulting Group. Um, years and years of experience as a firefighter, as an EMT, um, command and control at major national um, events with global impacts. Uh, Eric has been sharing with his uh, experience uh, over the years with um, some of the challenges that they've faced in the evolution of technology to be able to solve some of these uh, complex problems. What I'd like to do, Eric, is what is it with your company? So you saw this this need, and and you've got all this you know vast amount of experience, and and in that in that industry, um, especially if you're working major events, Olympics. Uh, terrorism threats, uh, national disasters, um, you've got to have a huge network of, of other people you collaborate with. Um, how does Kent's Consulting Group um, provide value um, to those customers that need your services? Yeah, I got to tell you, Sean, uh, we purposely have a very flexible model and work with a lot of partners and domain experts. Um, you know, just like a command center is not one seat, right? It's many seats and everyone in there has their own specialty. That's truly how uh, I run my business. We do not keep uh, a large staff uh, by design so that we can tailor the team based on the needs of the client. And we're a very uh, specialized of boutique niche consulting firm that are looking for very special uh, projects, right? We're looking for projects that really shift the needle in terms of technical adoption in the space. Uh, digital twin, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, drone multicasting, LIDAR and UAV modeling, uh, no code, low code. That's really where we want to you know, be able to change the dial for more than just uh, a few people, right? Do those pilots that set the standard uh, for everyone else in the nation to follow. Yeah, it makes sense. Hence why we, hence, hence why we like to win awards. <laughs> right. Um, so a lot of what you do, and you've mentioned it, especially with the pandemic, um, you create lots of, of um, data. And that data needs to be massaged into something useful, you know, some type of information that's going to be um, useful for multiple parties, multiple stakeholders. Um, 
But there's also this intelligence aspect of it, right? Because we use the same type of information for predictive analysis, right? And you and I talked about this the other day. Can you shed some light on um, how, you know, this pervasive technology can provide capabilities uh, for intelligence gathering, for predictive analysis on future events, terrorism, natural disasters, whatever it may be? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, these are not new capabilities and they're being used in other domains, right? Let's think about uh, supply chain control tower technology. And if you haven't looked at the supply chain control tower tech stack, uh, when they complete all of that, it will be a remarkable uh, capability to monitor the supply chain end to end which then would feed an emergency management system, right? In many ways, we're a system of systems that are operating uh, during disruptions, right? And so we're really just trying to capture those exceptions, or at least we should be trying to capture those exceptions while trying to bring those other systems back online. But all of that data needs to feed models and modeling that's being done, because right now it's not. Um, and if you don't model the data you have, you really have no way to truly understand, you know, until you look at the data and model it, and, and I understand that not all data is 100% accurate, you do need to look at the data. Where does it come from? What is the governance? There, there's a lot to this. But having that data and allowing your constituents to analyze that will in turn allow you to be more equitable because the data will tell a story that a person doesn't. And you really have to combine those together, right? Here's what the data tells. Here's what the person tells. How can I use that to be predictive in the future, right? And that historical data or the data, you know, the historical data and the data about your infrastructure and the data about the capabilities of your personnel, you start to bring that all together and you can really predict, you know, if I put these people here, the results may be good. If I put those people there, the results may be better. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. So where do you see technology and innovation uh, pushing the envelope on this, say, in the next five to 10 years? You know, you mentioned some things that, uh, you know, you're not there yet, like a, like a, a digital twin hologram that you can immediately send to a uh, first responder. Um, you know, how you said we're a couple years ahead of that. I, I've actually seen, you know, going back to your engine uh, story, a holographic representation where you can blow this engine up, flip it upside down where, you know, normally it would take you 10 hours and, you know, a bunch of busted knuckles. How far are we off from that? Uh, for some people, they have that today and it's readily available and we're putting it together for pennies on the dollar, essentially. Uh, for other people, it's, you know, so far away from their thought processes that, um, you know, they're not you know, the spectrum is really wide across America because we are a country built on autonomy, right? And the county is autonomous to the municipality, municipality is autonomous to the state, the state's autonomous to the feds, 
and everybody buys whatever they want. And hopefully at the end of the day, it'll all work. Together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it, 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 it's a little bit, you think it's funny, but we've had to have a 9-11 commission and decades to make radios interoperable. Just think about that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was working with uh, our local uh, police department here, and um, the cyber team was trying to uh, determine a justification for police officers to have administrative privileges to the laptops in their cars. And, you know, there's a great case study, business case coming back from an officer, seasoned officer who said, look, says, uh, you know, if I've got to go out and do discovery and collect evidence and I'm collecting digital evidence off of cameras and there's four cameras in the vicinity, he says, all of the cameras are different. I got different codecs for different types of cameras that I need to be able to download to the laptop to be able to view those. And if that's in real time and we're trying to solve a crime or we're trying to you know respond to something, I don't have time to call the IT department to remote into my laptop to install some codecs for me. And so, you know, back to your point, what's the justification for um, using certain types of technologies in the ability to be able to do your job in the most efficient manner, especially if lives are, are, are in, in tune there um, or, or at stake? So, um, you know, we've got a couple minutes left. Um, what are your final parting thoughts? Um, you know, this is an area where we don't get a lot of visibility, but you know, it absolutely makes sense uh, when, you know, 90% of the nation relies on first responders to be able to be effective, efficient, save lives and, and do their job effect effectively and efficiently. Um, what are your parting thoughts on, on being able to do that um, from your perspective? You know, the world is not going to get less complex. We're not going to have less data tomorrow. Even if the internet died and everything went went down, uh, that data doesn't go away, right? It just becomes now stacked up some someplace else. Right. Um, it all will continue to force innovation and adoption. And your law enforcement example is a great example because you're you're assuming that officer even understands what a codex is and should. Right. He's an officer. I want him to understand how to use that gun and his handcuffs, um, you know, and, and these dilemmas are challenging across the spectrum. Uh, but that being said, with the ability to move information and, and I mean information, not just data, you know, so I'm pushing that fireman exactly what he needs to see in his display. That, that days are, are coming, and they're coming quicker uh, because of what's going on in the world. Well, that's awesome. You know, Eric, we could sit and talk about this stuff for hours. Uh, unfortunately, we, we've got to wrap things up. It's been great having you back on the show. Uh, we've been talking with Eric Kant from the Kant Consulting Group, um, analytic uh, translate, uh, transaction uh, engineer, uh, multiple hats, multiple titles, depends on the day of the week. We really do appreciate you coming back, contributing to the show again. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sean. Really appreciate your time. All right. You have a great day. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. 
Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible.